Do you know that certain peptides can benefit those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's? If you want to learn more about how peptides can help with thyroid autoimmunity and other chronic conditions, then you'll want to check out the brand new Peptide Summit hosted by Dr. Jenny Flagar. In fact, peptides play a huge role in helping Dr. Jenny overcome her Hashimoto's condition. To register for the free Peptide Summit, visit saymythyroid.com forward slash peptides. Hey, this is Dr. Eric. And in this Q&A episode, I am going to answer the question, is cholestyramine as effective as antithyroid medication? Many listening to this know that when I dealt with Graves' disease, I chose not to take the medication, and instead I took an herbal approach to manage my symptoms. And so when I talk about medication on this podcast, this doesn't mean that I'm encouraging people to take the meds. That being said, there is a time and place for medication, and a lot of my hyperthyroid patients do take antithyroid medication but there are people who can't tolerate the medication and sometimes the herbs aren't effective. And that's when people who are trying to avoid radioactive iodine as well as surgery need to look into different options such as cholestyramine. So what is cholestyramine? Cholestyramine is a bile acid sequestrant. It binds to certain components of bile, which in turn disrupts the enterohepatic circulation of bile acids. Bile acid sequestrants are commonly used for lowering cholesterol, or for the treatment of chronic diarrhea when the cause is due to bile acid malabsorption. Cholestyramine also could be used in cases of toxic molds as it can bind to mycotoxins. And so if someone, again, has a toxic mold problem, they could use cholestyramine. There's also natural agents as well, and you definitely want to address the cause of the mold. But the point is that cholestyramine isn't as commonly used for hyperthyroidism. But It has been shown to interfere with the enterohepatic circulation of endogenous thyroid hormones, which are increased in hyperthyroidism. So in lay terms, pretty much the cholestyramine binds to thyroid hormones, and then the hormones are excreted by the body. So because it's not commonly recommended, sometimes it could be a challenge to get endocrinologists to recommend cholestyramine. If you're unable to tolerate antithyroid medication, such as methimazole or PTU or both of these, oftentimes the endocrinologist will recommend for you to receive radioactive iodine thyroid surgery. And again, there are natural options such as bugleweed, higher doses of L-carnitine, even lithium. But let's say if just these natural agents aren't effective and you're unable to tolerate the antithyroid medication, I think it's worth at least discussing cholestyramine with the endocrinologist. And I can say I've had a lot of patients with hyperthyroidism take cholestyramine, but I have had a few. And in some cases, they had to talk their endocrinologist into prescribing it because it does require prescription. And the approach I would take is to show the endocrinologist the research. And that's what I'm going to dive into. And then in the show notes, I'll make sure to include the links to the studies. So this way, you're not asking your endocrinologist to listen to this podcast episode. Now, of course, you could do that, but they're less likely to listen to me talk about cholestyramine and more likely to glance at a research article or two. And honestly, what I would do is if you have an in-person appointment with the endocrinologist, I would print up a bunch of these articles because there's a number of different ones. I would say print up at least four or five of them and bring it to the endocrinologist. Don't just give the endocrinologist a link, even if it's just the abstract. So if you want to just do five pages of five journal article abstracts just to show that in the research, there is evidence that cholestyramine can help with hyperthyroidism. 
So let's go ahead and dive into the research. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but there are five different studies. And again, we're going to spend maybe a minute on each one. The first one is from 2008, and the title is Low Doses of Cholestyramine in the Treatment of Hyperthyroidism. And so these first two journal articles involve taking cholestyramine combined with antithyroid medication. So in this one, there were 45 patients and there were three control groups. The first one involved taking two grams of cholestyramine twice per day, along with methimazole and propranolol. Second group involved taking one gram of cholestyramine twice per day, along with methimazole and propranolol. And then group number three just involved methimazole and propranolol and then a placebo powder. And the study period was four weeks. And the serum thyroid hormone levels decreased more rapidly and to a greater extent in the cholestyramine-treated groups. All of the patients in group one had achieved euthyroid state at the end of the study. And we conclude that low dose of cholestyramine is an effective and well-tolerated adjunctive agent in the treatment of hyperthyroidism Graves' disease. And then the second research article, and once again, a reminder, the links to these will be in the show notes. So this one is a little bit older, May 2005. The title is The Effect of Combination Therapy with PTU and Cholestyramine in the Treatment of Graves' Hyperthyroidism. And so this involved 30 patients divided into two groups. Group number one received, uh, they took PTU 100 milligrams twice per day, propranolol 40 milligrams twice a day, and then cholestyramine four grams twice per day for four weeks. And four grams is a typical dosage of cholestyramine. And again, four grams twice per day. And then group number two took the PTU as well as the propranolol, but did not take the cholestyramine. And then the conclusion was that cholestyramine contributed to a more rapid and complete decline in thyroid hormone levels in patients with Graves hyperthyroidism. It was thus proved to be an effective and well-tolerated adjunctive therapy. And then we have the third study, so this is a case study from November 2016. The title is Cholestyramine as Monotherapy for Graves Hyperthyroidism, and it involved a 36-year-old woman who was diagnosed with Graves' disease and then was taking carbimazole, 30 milligrams of carbimazole. Carbimazole is an antithyroid medication commonly recommended in Europe, and it converts into methimazole. And what happened is that when she was taking a carbimazole, it caused a depressed white blood cell count, which does happen sometimes with the antithyroid medication. She also had an elevated CRP, C-reactive protein, which is an inflammatory marker. So she couldn't take the antithyroid medication. And essentially, she was given the cholestyramine. And the conclusion is that the case showed that cholestyramine is an effective monotherapy for Graves hyperthyroidism when antithyroid medication is contraindicated. And our study raises the question of whether cholestyramine should be introduced routinely and from the start as part of treatment for Graves hyperthyroidism or even thyroid storm. So let's move on to the fourth study. And this is from October 2008. The journal article title is A Dramatic Response to Cholestyramine in a Patient with Graves' Disease Resistant to Conventional Therapy. So very interesting study here. And this involved a case report of a person who just wasn't responding to antithyroid medication. So that's not common. Most people do respond, but the problem is a lot of people have side effects. But there's, this person had hyperthyroidism, did not respond to conventional treatments, was on methimazole and propranolol for several months. So again, it wasn't a short period of time, but a few months. And I imagine high doses, they, they don't list the dosing here. But 
cholestyramine was added. So it was added to, I guess it, it looks like it was added to the methimazone propranolol. So they weren't working. And it's not like they stopped taking the methimazone propranolol and added the cholestyramine. It looks like it was added. And then a dramatic improvement was observed. So the conclusion is we report a patient who was resistant to conventional antithyroid drugs and whom thyroid hormone levels completely normalized after one week of additional treatment with cholestyramines. That's pretty amazing. They were on the antithyroid medication for a few months and didn't experience any improvement, but then they were on cholestyramine along with the other medications for one week, and then the levels completely normalized. I can't say that always happened. So just keep in mind, it's not like I've had a lot of patients on cholestyramine. I've only had a few, but in some cases, it will take time. So if someone's taking cholestyramine and it doesn't normalize within a week, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get there eventually. But yeah, so just keep that in mind. And then the fifth journal article I want to discuss was from September 2021, so a more recent study. And this is just another example of someone who was resistant to the conventional treatment of hyperthyroidism. So they were on high doses of the carbimazole as well as taking steroids, but the person remained thyrotoxic. And so cholestyramine was used as an adjunctive therapy, resulting in significant clinical and biochemical improvement. The patient subsequently became euthyroid and is being followed up in an endocrine clinic. So those are some great studies to present to your endocrinologist if you're unable to take antithyroid medication and if the natural agents don't work. Remember, cholestyramine is not addressing the cause of the problem, but neither is methimazole, neither is bugleweed. So things to keep in mind. So let's discuss adverse effects because I'm sure you might be wondering what are some of the side effects associated with cholestyramine. One of the more common adverse effects is constipation. A lot of people do become constipated with cholestyramine. Again, it's used as a treatment for diarrhea, chronic diarrhea in some cases. So you want to make sure you drink plenty of water. And then also other digestive issues, dyspepsia, bloating, or nausea, just something else to keep in mind. And then also, you don't want to take cholestyramine with other medications or supplements or food. So it's a little bit of an inconvenience. You need to take it on an empty stomach. And it's a powder, so you, the taste also sometimes is an issue. So it's definitely not perfect. And there are some people who just don't want to take it because it doesn't taste good. And with antithyroid medication, they could just swallow the pill. Just like I said, it's an alternative. It's not perfect. But when you look at some of the side effects associated with antithyroid medication, the stress it could put on the liver, the lowered white blood cell count in some cases, and in some cases, just bad symptoms like rashes and dizziness. Also, there's some evidence. There's another podcast episode where I discussed the effects of antithyroid medication on the gut microbiome, where it could cause dysbiosis and balances in the gut flora, as well as an increase in intestinal permeability, which is a leaky gut. And I didn't see anything in the research showing that cholestyramine can cause that. So, I mean, one can make the argument, maybe endocrinologists should recommend cholestyramine instead of methimazole or PTU or carbimazole but compliance would be a lot lower as well. So that's a big reason why that probably won't happen. Yeah, and then some people do tolerate the antithyroid medication well, so it's not everybody. So I think that's all I wanted to cover. Again, links to these journal articles will be in the show notes. 
And if your endocrinologist is pressuring you to get radioactive iodine or thyroid surgery because you're unable to take antithyroid medication, I definitely think it's worth bringing up cholestyramine. And that's it. So that's my response to the question, is cholestyramine as effective as antithyroid medication? The research I presented seems to suggest that it is as effective. Again, it's not addressing a cause of the problem, but neither is antithyroid medication. And again, neither are the natural agents like bugleweed, lemon balm, L-carnitine. They're just managing the thyroid symptoms while hopefully you're doing things to address the cause of the problem. As usual, I hope you learned a lot and I look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.